I get the sense that they don't see the squad and to an extent the CPC as 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 a big of a threat as they did when they first came into Congress and I think that's right. when the CPC was kind of you know trying to position itself as a uh, a caucus that would actually vote in a block but specifically the squad I don't I don't I don't think they see them as a threat anymore I think they they see it as a group that's been kind of neutralized and we saw how they reacted when they first came in you know they were like explicitly calling out and mocking things that they were proposing um but also it just shows that they just don't like leadership doesn't really care when you have the same sorts of things from mansion and cinema so cinema goes to the arizona chamber of congress uh commerce and talks about how there's no chance whatsoever she would support any tax increases on corporations just a couple weeks ago and nothing nothing from the white house nothing from party leadership about how that is you know not in lockstep with party priorities because that's something they're currently trying to push and the uh, story came, I think it was in Politico a couple weeks ago, that the official White House position is not to name Mansion or call out Mansion explicitly at all whatsoever. And it's such a stark it's contrast from well how so they far. handled the squad. Yeah, right. It's just like walking all over you. But it works. That's the thing. I don't I don't understand because it works. In 2020, when they were 2021, when they were first considering another COVID relief bill. They, you know, they sent Kamala Harris to West Virginia to stump. And then you saw his reaction when Bernie wrote that op-ed talking about right. how this would be good for West Virginians. And Manchin flipped out and told them, don't do that again. Don't ignore that part. But you could see that you're getting to him by doing this. Use the bully pulpit in his backyard and drive support for the things that you want to pass. Because when someone goes there and articulates how this would benefit them, they're going, they're bound to support it. And they just don't they don't want to touch it they don't want to acknowledge that these two people are blocking pretty much everything that they want to do i think that's i think that's exactly right and i think your your point about the bernie op-ed and the kamala harris statement or interview that she gave in west virginia and mansion freaking out the funny thing was is that in social media among kind of Team Blue Democratic apologists, especially with the with the Bernie op-ed. Oh, you know this is gonna look. Bernie screwed it up. See Joe Manchin screaming and crying and whining, and then you know this is obviously a, a bad call by Bernie. It was like no, 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 no. Joe Manchin screaming and, cry- and crying and whining is proof that the tactic is working. The person you're trying to pressure should feel uncomfortable, and when they feel uncomfortable, it's a sign that the pressure is working. I remember this, and I I hearken back to the Bernie Sanders campaign on what I think was one of the pivotal moments of the whole campaign was when Zephyr Teachout did that op-ed about Joe Biden, saying that Joe Biden has a corruption problem. And it wasn't about any kind of right-wing critique. It was about Biden's support for the bankruptcy bill written by the credit card companies and Biden, uh, I think it was corrupt trade deals. It It was all policy stuff. And the media freaked out. Oh, Bernie Sanders surrogate is calling Joe Biden corrupt. Joe Biden, you know, the Biden's campaign freaked out. How dare you? And my reaction was, this is fucking great. Exactly <laughs> what's supposed to happen, right? You landed a punch. The guy you landed a punch on is now freaking out. Like, that's a sign that you've hit him where it hurts. Yeah. Because we're trying to 
to, you know, we're trying to win the election. That's <laughs> yes. the point here. The yeah. point is not to make Joe Biden happy or make Ron Klain, his campaign guy, happy. The point is to fucking win. And Bernie's reaction was to apologize to Joe Biden, saying, you know, he, he disavowed the op-ed, said he wished it wasn't written, and he apologized. And I think, obviously, the tactics of that are terrible tactics, because then, then your story goes from Joe Biden has a corruption problem, and let's see what the problem is, you know, to Bernie Sanders is apologizing. So tactically, it's, it's I thought it was a bad call. And just um, on the merits, it was a sign that, to me, that the campaign wasn't willing to make the contrast that would, would need to be made to take down an incumbent. And it's the same thing vis-a-vis -vis Joe Manchin or, or cinema, that if, if the first sign of them squirming and freaking out prompts the Democratic Party leaders to back off, it means that they're more serious about making Joe Manchin and cinema comfortable than they are about actually delivering on their legislative promises well and this touches on something i think you got into the last time you were on this show david which is that it, it kind of seems like from the way that they've approached this issue that uh, the biden administration wants credit for being progressive for proposing all this progressive legislation it's like you want to be framed as the new fdr without actually following through on anything and just in terms of like well we wanted to do this and this and we couldn't um but when you have these issues where you have people in your own party also going back to the idea that biden campaigned on i'm going to get republicans involved and i'm the i'm the big deal maker i'm going to get everyone involved um and then to have your people in your own party you know, completely veto your entire agenda that you campaigned on. And when you don't really do anything like that or respond to that in any way, or to, I mean, to, you talked about going on the bully pulpit in, in Manchin's home state, or even just going on TV every week and saying, this is what we want to do. This, this is the pro act. This is what it does. This is our environmental policy. This is what that's going to do. This is what it's going to mean for you. This is exactly why we can't pass it right now and name names of who's doing that week after week after week. You know, that would be a sense that, okay, they actually want to pass this agenda. But when they propose this stuff, they allow someone in their own party to say no to everything. And then they just kind of give up without putting any pressure on that person. The inescapable conclusion from that is that they want credit for proposing these things, but don't actually have any interest in passing this big progressive agenda. Because there was some pretty bold... Uh, ideas in this in this build back better framework and they were campaigning on even though it wasn't anything like to like what bernie was proposing but that's the they obama still campaigned on a lot of yeah exactly they still campaigned on a lot of good stuff barack obama fundamentally understood at least at that period of time unfortunately that lots of liberals just want the speech they don't care about the policy they want the press release they want the rhetoric they want the speech uh but they don't actually care about the details of policy they don't actually necessarily care about what actually gets done in the real world that for lots of liberals politics is just another version of a home team sport uh, and i think joe biden operates in the same way i'm going to give a speech i'm going to say hey amazon here we come and then i'm going to give amazon a 10 billion dollar federal contract in violation of my campaign promise to deny federal contracts to corporate union busters. Uh, and and the, the premise or the thing that Biden is betting on is that Democratic voters only want the rhetoric and either won't pay attention or actively do not care about the actual policy. And and for a long time, that's been a good bet in the sense of, I mean, it's, a, it's sad, but it's been a reliable bet that's come true for top of the ticket Democratic politicians. But I think that stat that I mentioned to you from the NBC poll where now 63% of Democratic primary voters 
actually want real change, don't want incrementalism, suggests that reality is finally catching up to the average rank and file Democratic voter, that shit has gotten so bad that even the average normie liberal is like, you know what? Maybe the rhetoric alone isn't good enough. Maybe, maybe things actually do need to change. And so that to me is the most optimistic, encouraging part of what's going on right now is yes, the individual electoral wins uh, this week, but that plus the polling data suggests a much more restive Democratic Party base. And that that is that is less inclined to buy the Obama-Biden bullshit tactics of I'm going to give a speech and then not actually deliver. Thank you for listening to this sample of the Insurgents podcast. To hear the rest of this episode and for more bonus content, please subscribe at theinsurgents.substack.com.